Shinerunners, welcome to the Shine Runner Show, quenching your marketing, distribution, sales, and experiential event thirst for more horsepower on the craft beer, cider, and spirits industry. My name is Mark Colburn, and I'll be your crew chief. Today's episode, a case history, GT500 Brewing. Our program's goal is to provide you with an overview of marketing, distribution, sales, and experiential event learnings and experiences from a guy who's been in the craft beer, spirits, and cider biz for 25 years. The objective of this program will be to help you better understand marketing's role, priority, and importance in the marketplace and how it can benefit your business model. Please send Shine Runner episode questions or comments to shinerunner at thebrewingnetwork.com. Little recap from episode number 16. That's where we talked about wholesaler uh, sales rep training and motivation. Well, it all starts with communication and inclusion. Got to provide that human element. Always try to be the supplier that the sales team likes. Funkifies. Zig when the competition zags. Strive to make every presentation to this crucial business partner the best ever. This investment is a chink in your competitor's armor to be exploited. Make selling your brands as easy as possible. Wholesaler sales teams are bombarded with thousands of supplier SKUs and data. Allow them to quickly pull up a 90-second pitch on your brand. Then they can more effectively present to a non-buy account or their favorite buyer. Get on that sales meeting calendar. Don't be late or forget the coffee and bagels. Make it Pete's. Bring your best clutter-busting incentives and make sure they meet the Funkifies and Mocha tests. Get your team in cars with the wholesaler sales teams. You need as many trench-level relationships as you can get. And then we talked about uh, at year's end, make a big deal out of the wholesaler's top salesperson, obviously on your brand, in a sales meeting. That peer recognition is so powerful. So before we get into number 17, we've got a listener question. Charlotte, who works for a craft brewery in San Diego, writes, Hi, Mark. A few years ago, we started our brewery and taproom, but more breweries are opening in our neighborhood, which is resulting in reduced customer traffic and volume sales. Do you have any suggestions? Well, thank you, Charlotte, for your email. Uh, please review a few of my uh, prior podcasts on that topic, but let's get into your question. I recently read research that indicates consumers who do not get craft beer, cider, or spirits bartender interaction when ordering tend to order fewer drinks and leave sooner. Conversely, when a bartender spends time educating customers on the beers, cider, or spirits being served, patrons tend to order more drinks, stay longer, and ultimately look for the brand in their favorite off- and on-premise establishments. So here's an idea. At your tap room, sell a VIP gift card experience whereby four customers or so you know, get a flight of beers or cider or spirits and a one-on-one -on -one session with a brewer, the owner, a company executive, or an experienced bartender who will take them through each of the beers or ciders. By taking the time to educate this group, you will be 
transforming this foursome into brand ambassadors who will be on their way to brand loyalty. This is a smart investment. This card will be sold to cover some of the costs and be an excellent gift for that person who loves craft beer or cider or, uh, who are, or, or that person who has everything. You can promote the gift card on your website and social media. It can also be used as a mini wholesaler incentive or an attaboy for excellent sales performance. It can be given to influencers and gatekeepers like Austin, uh, who we mentioned back in shows two and three. Or you can give it. Uh, you can give that card to key, uh, key account buyers to come in and try your products. Hope this helps, Charlotte, and thank you so much for your email. So today's topic: a case history, GT five hundred brewing. So in this episode, we're going to change the format a bit. I'm going to develop a case history using a fictitious brewery that I'm calling the GT five hundred Brewing Company. This case analysis will be designed to reflect potential and realistic issues that your company might experience or already are. Throughout the case, I'll try to blend in marketing, sales, experiential event, target market, and distribution strategies defined and discussed in past shows. In essence, I hope to show you how to apply what you've been learning from prior episodes in kind of a real-life scenario. So let's go through the background. And uh, this format is going to be sort of your classic business school case format. Uh, our goal, ultimately, is to select the best option. But let's start with the background. So GT500 Brewing was founded in 2014 by Holly Cam, an award-winning home brewer. At the time, there were four breweries in the immediate market. Now, there are nine with another three in business plan mode. The brewery is located in Northern California, just outside the San Francisco Bay Area, in an industrial district with plenty of available parking. GT500 Brewing has a popular tap room, open seven days a week. The venue is large and excellent for events and meetings. Food trucks pay a commission to GT500 for the right to sell food to beer-consuming patrons. Now, Holly signed an agreement with two major craft beer distributors who cover most of the greater Bay Area. She is appointing two more, which will result in key market distribution throughout Northern California, including the lucrative Lake Tahoe, Truckee, Donner resort areas. Now, GT500 is in the growth stage of its product life cycle. Recall this term used in podcast number one. It is important to understand where a brand fits on the PLC as different marketing strategies apply to the different stages of the product life cycle. GT500's target market aligns with our definition from shows number two and three. Please refer back to refresh your memory on Austin. So the brewery's top selling beers, they include GT500 Apex Ale, Single Overhead Camshaft IPA, Hazed Tire IPA. Now this beer, this, this brew tastes like a combination of Cigar City Highlight, Mother Road Tower Station, and Hess's Grapefruit Solace IPAs. It's delicious. She also sells Double Pumper Porter, GT350 Talladega Lager, 
heel and toe sour, Hearst for blonde, and they have a, a popular seasonal line, which they call the Crew Chief Collection. And those seasonals are Brake Fluid Stout, Double Clutch IPA, and Hemi Lollaberry Hef. The beer comes in half barrel, five gallon kegs, six pack cans, a loose 24 can warehouse club case, and a new proprietary sea store triangulated three pack. Now, GT500 is currently at 70% brewing capacity. On the sales side, Holly employs one full-time sales rep to handle all four distributors at a salary of $72,500 a year. GT500 has two popular tap rooms with plans to open two more in their new distribution geographies. Their key differentiating advantage Recall from episode one where we defined the KDA. Here's their KDA. GT500 is the only beer brewed with crystal pure Serene Lakes mountain water and Boss Daytona hops. A few industry trends. Craft beer sales have been slowing to 4 to 5% with forecasts calling for as many as 12,000 breweries opening by year's end. Each craft brewer's local radius continues to shrink. Competition also comes from cideries, wineries, craft distilleries, and what I call kombucheries, who all compete for on and off-premise real estate and consumer share of stomach. Now, on the distributor side, consolidation continues, resulting in fewer wholesalers. These super distributors are expanding their geographical territories increasing SKU counts and brands while reducing sales associate per account calling time. With expanded portfolios, wholesalers are reducing sales plan and incentive frequency for a majority of their suppliers. Smaller new brands are routinely barred from the sales plan, the ride with calendar, and even weekly sales meetings. So what's GT500's problem? Let's look at a few uh, Actually, a few. Uh, they've got wholesaler apathy, increasing competition from a variety of beverage segments, fickle target market loyalty, and finite on and off premise real estate. These market conditions are contributing to a concerning downshift in GT500's portfolio volume and distribution points. Might this sound familiar? So let's take a look at four alternative options to try to solve that problem for GT500. So the first one, retrench. GT500 could scale back, focusing on just their two original backyard markets. So what's the pro of uh, going with the retrench option? This tactic would provide geographic concentration. We call my castle keep strategy in prior, uh, from a prior podcast. Another pro, it would reduce marketing and sales investment dilution, making these monies more efficient. Now, what about the con or the negative of this uh, alternative? Uh, this option could be costly given the signed agreement with the two most recent wholesalers who are taking the brand into legit target market accounts. Plus, downsizing would result in lost volume and distribution, which would impact brewing scale and production forecasts. Alternative number two. Do nothing or maintain the status quo. Um, work harder. So the pro of that, adding several hours to each employee's workload 
especially on the sales side, should result in some efficiencies and more placements. The con or negative, well, increasing employee workloads may result in fatigue, poor morale, burnout, and costly turnover in favor of better working conditions. By doing nothing, GT500 Brewing will be dictated to by the turbulent marketplace we described earlier. Option number three, execute a marketing plan at consumer and wholesaler level. So the pro on this, developing a creative marketing campaign based on the brewery's growth stage of its product lifecycle would include focusing on the primary target market via an aggressive brand trial and sampling program, development of a motivation strategy for wholesalers targeting on and off-premise distribution points and volume, and generation of a, a brand awareness campaign that syncs up with the brand's positioning and image. Now, the negative of number three, uh, the con, uh, a concerted marketing campaign will be expensive, possibly diverting needed funds from brewery operations. Plus, the campaign could fail, thus jeopardizing brewery longevity. Now, number four, collaborate with another brewery on a unique beer style to gain a point of difference while investing in a brand package refresh. Now, this one It's kind of a two-pronged option, so I'll read it again. Uh, Number four, collaborate with another brewery on a unique beer style to gain a point of difference while investing in a brand package refresh. Hmm. So the pro of number four, collaborations are currently trendy and could result in incremental distribution. Plus, a a brand package refresh uh, effort often results in a minimum of 10% sales lift. Now, a new or fledgling brand can capitalize, or what I call brand sponge, from a seasoned, well-positioned brand through collaboration. The con, or the negative, is although collaborations are popular, many retailers seldom devote a lot of space or any space for such knowing the beer will be short-lived. As a result... The beer is often just sold in each brewery's taproom or select on-premise bars or high-end bottle shops. Plus, pitching yet another skew to the distributor's already bloated portfolio may well get rejected, leaving each brewer with excess inventory. Now, a professional brand package refresh will be expensive, and it will eliminate original package brand equity. This could result in a loss of sales as the customer can't find his or her go-to brand. I've got a word of caution on a a brand refresh. Um, Remember the Pyramids Haywire? uh, I've got a little story here. I I got invited to the uh, senior executive presentation uh, by the the former Pyramid team in Berkeley at their brewery, which unfortunately is is closed down now. But um, all my senior bosses and the the senior people at Pyramid were in their upstairs conference room. It was a fantastic conference room. And and, uh, their VP of marketing went through this whole package refresh and the new name and and then they went around the, this massive table. And there were probably, I don't know, 15 of us. And all, of course, all the, the pyramid people were thumbs up. Yeah, great. You know, this is going to be the best thing. And then our senior team, everybody, thumbs up. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Can't wait to take it on. And then they got to me, sort of the, the token marketing guy in the room. Uh, and and they remember the CEO of Pyramid looked at me and, okay, Mark, what do you think? 
And I kind of looked out the, this big window and looked back at the guys and I said, I, I think you're crazy. Uh, you're throwing away all this great brand equity in the in Pyramid Huff. And, and did you do any testing on the Haywire? Which they didn't mention. Maybe they did, but they didn't mention it. And this, this CEO of Pyramid looked at me as though he was going to throw me out the window. Um, but I was the only one that, that didn't believe in, in going with the Haywire name change and the package refresh. Anyhow, so let's get back to uh, the case history. A uh, recommendation. Bet you can't guess this one. So the, uh, the alternative that I recommend is number three, execute a marketing plan at consumer and wholesaler lever, level. Implementation. So what do we do next? We've gone through all this work. Jeez. So after a successful round of financing, Holly hired Mark Colburn as her marketing crew chief. Hey, that's me. Here's what I did next. First, I prepared a marketing plan based on the brand's PLC position, target audience, distribution, and wholesalers. After the marketing plan came an annual volume and distribution strategy by SKU for each wholesaler by account and non-buys, including a spreadsheet that specified when the account was called on, the results, and the follow-up needed by date. An incentive plan followed covering the wholesalers while trying uh, while tying it to the GT500 brewery sales reps' efforts. Next, I scheduled meetings with the senior management team from each wholesaler. My goal was to achieve commitment to the four plans, as well as agreement on our out-of-the-keg sales incentives shared between the brewery and distributors at 50-50. After we achieved senior distributor buy-in, the sales rep and I got on the sales meeting calendars, kind of did a roadshow. Two of the four agreed to have the meeting at the GT500 Brewery. We made sure to book trimester business reviews with each wholesaler's senior management team as well. I knew that the door could slam quickly on GT500, so we worked diligently rehearsing the presentation. The content included the marketing story. Refer to show number two. The brand's KDA, our new brand video library series. The series was shot at the brewery and provided 90-second Pavlovian selling vignettes on GT500's Nectar portfolio. The series was then sent to each wholesaler's iPad for ease of account execution. We also talked about our, our prepared our, our incentive, a brewery invitation, point of sale options, merchandising expectations, some role play, and a crew drive ride with calendar. We brought a mixed sample case for every wholesaler sales rep in the meeting so that they could try the brews at their leisure over the weekend. Now, marketing research shows significant increases in morning sales meeting attention and retention rates when coffee is served to sales audiences. So we brought multiple Pete's to go coffee boxes in order to caffeinate the wholesalers. We also brought freshly made bagels and cream cheese. After the meetings held at the brewery, the wholesalers were treated to a VIP brewery tour and tasting. One of the reasons Holly hired me was because I own cars relevant to the brand. We both knew that the Shelbys would bring the brand to life while differentiating the brewery from the exponentially expanding pack. To each sales meeting, I brought the Shine Runner, a 500 horsepower 1969 Shelby GT500. The car garnered sales team attention as it made a loud entrance to the wholesaler's warehouse. 
This brand asset added sales meeting excitement throughout the presentation, differentiated the brewery, and contributed to brand cool. Next came the incentives. From experience, I knew that it had to grab the sales team attention and keep them interested. It also had to be relevant to the brewery and clutter busting so that it would differentiate itself from the many other suppliers sales plan incentives. So here's a peek at GT500 Brewing's clutter busting incentive of the decade. The theme of this incentive, muscle cars and craft beer. What could be better? The title and description, GT500's Papa Wheelie Incentive. Open to distributor X on and off premise salespeople. Each placement earns money and pistons. Now accumulated pistons count towards the quarter mile mini incentive, the team VIP experience, and towards the Papa Wheelie Incentive where the top two winners go to Bob Bondurant's Hellcat School of High Performance Driving. The duration of this incentive, two months. The objective, secure 20, and that would be on a 90-day non-buy, on-premise draft handles. And as far as draft handles go, you've got to sell a minimum keg volume for payout. Also on the on-premise side, secure 60 on-premise package placements. And then for the off-premise, secure 225 based on a 90-day non-buy, off-premise package placements. The budget, kind of a big one. Um, I don't think we would hit it, but $15,000. And that would be at a 50-50 between brewery and wholesaler. Now the payouts, the draft handle, $159.95 and four pistons. Recall the psychological benefit from this odd payout amount. The uh, on-trade package placement or or on-premise package placement, $12.95 $12.95 and two pistons. The off-trade package placement, $7.95, one piston, and then off-trade display. If you put up a minimum of five cases, you get $249 per case with a maximum of 25 cases per account, plus you win, you earn two pistons per five case display. Now the top piston earning off and on-premise divisions also win a VIP brewery experience with Holly for each team. That would include dinner or lunch. And then I've got this quarter mile supercharger incentive that I put into play. This one week incentive is designed to get the program off to a quick start. You really want to get these things going. The top piston earning division gets beer and dinner at the tap room and then gets to attend the movie premiere of Bullet 2, The Chase Continues. After the two months, the wheelie incentive winner would be Uh, Most pistons earned by one off and one on-premise sales associate wins a trip to Bob Bondurant's Hellcat School of High-Performance Driving in Chandler, Arizona. In our next episode, I will detail GT500 Brewing's marketing mix strategies. The marketing mix, also known as the four Ps, includes price, product, promotion, and place or distribution. Today, we hit the distribution piece pretty hard. So a little recap of episode 17. Try to define your problem, if you have one, uh, then assess legitimate alternatives on how to solve it. Brand strategy application varies between the four stages of the product lifecycle. Remember to constantly preach your marketing story and highlight your key differentiating advantage to as many audiences as you can. Get on that wholesaler sales plan and ride with calendar. Don't forget to meet with the big dogs, the senior management team, at each of your distributors. Stay in their faces in a professional way. 
Introduce creative, brand-relevant sales incentives that garner sales audience attention, interest, and execution. Max out your taproom for the lethal marketing asset that it represents. Create incentives that you can internally brand and mold sequels around. This simplifies future execution and comprehension by the sales force while investing in incentive brand equity. Also consider a a long-term big-picture incentive whereby pistons accumulated in the two-month programs contribute toward a grand incentive one at year's end, such as track time in a Shelby GT500 and VIP tickets to the Sonoma Raceway, Save Mart 350, NASCAR race. This keeps GT500 brewing top of mind throughout the year. Establish a minimum threshold for the big prizes to be won. You don't want to spend a lot for meager placement or volume results. Do your homework with your wholesaler on these minimum qualifying levels. They should be stretch goals. Understand that the top prize is not always won, but there is a next time. New beer, cider, or spirit brand names should relate to the overall brand. Be creative and unique. Refer back to my GT500 examples. And if someone recommends a brand package refresh, reduce your risk through marketing research. I know it's expensive, but uh, if, if things don't work out, you could, you could face the pyramid haywire consequences. So thank you for listening. Please check out my website at shinerunnercraftmarketing.com. My book, Craft Beer Marketing and Distribution, Brace for Skumageddon. Join us next time on the Brewing Network Shine Runner Show for episode 18, GT500 Brewing, Dinoing the Marketing Mix.